to another edition of the Bassin Interaction Podcast. My name is Stephen Bassin. As you all know, I'm a sports reporter for CentralJersey.com. I actually do it all for CentralJersey.com. I also am a news reporter, but that's here nor there. And I am here to bring you what is going on in the high school sporting world down here in Central Jersey. Um, this podcast is coming out March 16th, which starts the date of phase three of winter sports, or technically, well, two of them are fall sports. But anyways, phase three of the winter sports this season, starting up with gymnastics, wrestling, and volleyball. So all those athletes are exciting to get to get back out there, whether it's on the mat, whether they're getting the nets up, you know, starting to spike the ball, whatever. Those are time has come and it's exciting we'll get to see those athletes compete in the gyms or even outside as we're gonna have some actually some wrestling matches outside the turf so that'll be exciting so um this podcast is about that um i got you a double dose a double dose of interviews for the podcast we started off with brian heller the head coach of the rumson Fairhaven uh wrestling team um as we all know about mr heller former Rumson alum, and was a star wrestler for them, and then became a star at Penn State, placed in the Big Ten tournament. And I was happy to have Brian on. He talked about his team that is coming off a great season. They won their first division title since 2003. They returned five state qualifiers. Three of them medaled at the tournament, you know, with Shane Addison and Max Brignola and Jack Kelly. So, um, you know, Rumson, they're – they're fired up. They got a good squad coming in, and we'll, we'll touch base on the teams to watch out for in wrestling um, this year later on this podcast. But, um, you know, I was happy to have Brian on. We're also going to have um, Jason Goldman, the head coach of the Jersey Shore Predators. He helped create the AAU basketball program, which starts up their practices this week. AAU season, which was also derailed by the coronavirus pandemic last year. You know, a lot of teams in their fall and summer leagues, they played outside. They didn't even play in the gym. It was it was all different. But, um, you know, we'll hear from him and talk about his team. You know, we, everyone knows about Jersey Force here in Jersey for the AU squad. But Jersey Predators, they got some good players. He's going to be talking about them and how his program is building up. And, you know, if you want to get involved with it. So um, stay tuned for that. So uh, my double dose, as you say, of interviews here on the podcast to so watch out for. But um, should be fun. I will also end it with a recap of the basketball season that we had here in New Jersey. Um, You know, three weeks or whatever you want to say how it went, it was still a great week of action. Um, Teams like St. John Vianney capping off a perfect season in dominating fashion. Um, You had a great game for the short conference pod A championship between Maniswan and Marlboro goes right down the end. And unfortunately for Marlboro, it's flashbacks to South Brunswick in the uh, Central Jersey Group 4 title game. Last year, um, but still great um, ending to a season on the hardwood where boys and girls basketball players did the best they could to compete, battle through the virus, and uh, it was fun to watch. So I will give you my top 10 boys basketball rankings in Central Jersey and also my top 10 short conference girls basketball rankings. And you guys probably already know who's number one, but still, hey, I'll give you the rankings. Talk about some other teams that did the best they could and did pretty well in these uh, under these um, circumstances and made some nice runs in their respective pods. So um, that will end the podcast. But, um, yeah, so kick back, relax. Um, we'll get started here with Brian Heller as he talks about his um, Rumson Fairhaven um, wrestling team. And like I said, team is loaded up. Five state qualifiers all returning from last year. Um, 
Hudson Scove is another big-time freshman that um, the Rumson adds to their lineup at 195, who, you know, Heller believes can make it into the tournament. So he's a guy to watch out for. So a lot of talent there for the Bulldogs. So stay tuned. Here is Brian Heller on his Rumson Fairhaven wrestling team. Here with um, Brian Heller, the head coach of the Rumson Fairhaven Regional High School wrestling team. Uh, Brian, how's it feel? We are less than a week away from getting on the mat and starting to wrestle. How's it feel to finally have this see it happen? It's awesome. It feels good. I know it was a long layoff for my kids from March to, you know, about a week and a half ago. So they're real excited. They've been training super hard. A lot of them put in a long off season and they're, they're itchy to get back in the competition. How did, how did the kids handle everything this off season? Because there's a lot of knowns. What kind of season will there be? Will there be any state champions? Will there be any individual championships, stuff like that? How did you guys handle it, you think? Uh, yeah, so basically most of my kids are very committed. A lot of them are, not most, but a lot of them are very committed. So they go to the clubs, and obviously there was a layoff with club wrestling as well when there was a complete shutdown in the spring. Um, by summer, they started to allow smaller groups in, so they kind of organized themselves into smaller groups. We were able to do some summer training, so once the – the blackout period was lifted. We were able to get the kids on a mat in a club for once a week just to get them doing something productive. And then the ones that were super committed did compete in the fall and in the winter. There was a couple of different opportunities for them to get scrapping and kind of test themselves and think of, uh, you know, find out what else they need to improve on. So, yeah, they, they handled it well. What did, how do you think they did in those types of tournaments? Because those are very well attended. A lot of schools had kids compete in those statewide meets that were around the state and the country for that matter. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think they all competed well. I mean, the, the message always to the kids is just use these as opportunities to see where you're at. They're just tests. They're just benchmarks. They're, they're nothing more than that. So you're training super hard. You get to compete against some of the best guys in the state or, you know, some of them went to Pennsylvania for some dual tournaments and so out-of-state competition. And we can watch the film. We can talk about what positions they need to work on. And ultimately, they're on a continuum to just keep getting better. The, the best guys I have are going to wrestle at the Division One level next year. So their ultimate goal is shifting. They still want to win a state title, but we're shifting focus to being NCAA champions later on. So it's always getting better. It's never to be satisfied. So those are just opportunities to, to improve. Um, you mentioned you know, those guys. You know, you had six state qualifiers last year. You'll have five coming back. Um, I mean, what's that like to have five guys, three of them who medaled, coming back and get to work with one last time. Yeah. So we had five last year and they all came back. The one I think you mentioned Liam Moran wasn't able to, to he lost a heartbreaking overtime match in the in the blood round essentially the regions. But the other five are back and the three that medaled, yeah, it's great. I mean, they all bring a lot of experience. Max has been to the state tournament. Max Brignol has been there three times in the past already. Uh, he, he got on the podium this year, and Shea is a sophomore placing. That was the second time in school history that's happened. And Jack Kelly you know, well overperforming his seed and popping on the podium in fifth was awesome. They're both back. I mean, all of them are back. Those three are definitely hungry to win a state title. They're all, you know, Jack and Shea ranked second respectively at their weight classes, and Max is somewhere around four, depending on where you're looking. Uh, but they're all hungry to win a state title. And then the other two, um, Tyler Brignola and Aiden Shaughnessy, are looking to get on the podium and make noise. So, you know, five places would be great. We got a young freshman 195er who's a stud. I mean, he knocked off Lodato in the postseason or the preseason here, who was a state qualifier round away from placing, I believe, from Piscataway. Pope John transfer 
ranked in the top five right now of the state. So we really believe that he has a chance to. That all things go well, he can get on the podium. And there's a couple other people too that could punch through. You never know. Yeah, I, I met, and you know, he helps you guys out because in the heavyweight, I mean, the higher weights, you guys are not as experienced in the this year. You lost a lot of experience. Yeah. I mean, our upper middles, I would rival with anyone in the state. I truly believe that from 52 and including 95, we could, if it was just those five guys wrestling another set of five guys, I think we'd be the best team in the state. So, yeah, he caps us off up there, gives us some ability to move around. I mean, he's super strong. He's not carrying extra weight. So to move him up to 220 against some people that we may need to, uh, he'll, he might do that too. So it, it stretches our lineup. We have a kid, Ryan Boyer, who filled in for us last year a bunch as well as a freshman. He's a sophomore this year. He's still in the mix up there. So he extends that from five to six when we can move guys up. So, yeah, it's great to bring Hudson in up there. Um, what has been this season like, you know, because there's no, like, team championships. How are you guys attacking these dual meets going into the, uh, you know, the state seedings in mid-April? So we never have had a short conference title as a wrestling program. I mean, the other teams at the school have. I mean, <laughs> I'm lucky to be surrounded by uh, successful athletic programs. Um, so it's it's part of the school culture that we want to be short conference champs. So there's there's – they're going to be the pod championship for that, where they're going to put the four best teams in together. We're hoping to be in the, in the mix for that. But I scheduled our season that we would be ranked number one in the short. If we have a, a good showing, we're wrestling Brick Memorial, who's obviously the outright favorite right now. CBA is up there. St. John Vianney's up there. Ocean's up there. So with all four of them being on the schedule, that puts us in a place where we can potentially be a short conference title uh, championship team. So that's the team focus. We talk about that. And then we talk about the individuals in the same sentence, but in those buckets. Um, what do you think of the individual? Because it's all about like seating and coaches and it's all like a committee making the decision, which could be tough because what happens if one of your guys is really the best, but he had like a tough showing maybe against a Burke Memorial guy or an Ocean guy and that maybe hurts him when they do the seedings for the Yeah, I mean, ultimately – whether it's a qualifying process like the districts or regions into the state tournament or a process that looks like this, you have to perform. You have to get the job done. If you don't get it done during the season, you get a bad district draw, you're not going to make it. Um, if you want to, I truly believe that if you're in contention to place in Atlantic City, which is not Atlantic City, so place in the state tournament, you're going to be included in that selection process. Um, so that's the deal. If you're not going to be one of the people placing and you don't get to go to the state tournament this year, so be it. I, I I think that they're doing the best they can to crown a state champion and get the guys in the podium who deserve to be there. So if we want to be there, um, you know, we got to prove it all season long. Um, how has practices been going so far with this COVID stuff? How have they handled all the little protocols that you guys have to follow to make sure everybody's safe? Uh, good. Yeah, they've been handling it well. I mean, they're in school and uh, most of them are hybrid, some of them virtual, some are in person, but it's all the same stuff. They have forms they have to fill out. There's temperature checks they have to do every day when they go to school. They have to wear masks uh, before and after practice. Um, so, you know, it's been a little bit just from the first couple of days. It was we had to harp on it a little more, but they've been good about it. I have a checker that checks my roster every day. So I have a thing on my phone and it tells me who's filled out the form. And if they haven't right before practice, I just send them to fill it out to make sure we're good. Um, so, yeah, they've been handling it well. We set up a couple extra sections of mat off to the side to spread the kids out a little bit, um, which is good. So, yeah, they've been doing well. Um, how many kids do you guys have? wrestling this year 
Uh, 28 is on the mm-hmm. roster. Yeah, so our numbers are up. I mean, it's awesome to see. It's a little stressful, you know, that this is the year that's the biggest roster I've ever had. Uh, but I'm not complaining. I like it. I think it's it's great for our program. Um, and it's probably from what happened last year. I mean, you guys went to the finals of the Central Jersey Group 2 tournament. You lost to a, a powerhouse in South Plainfield, and you had a lot of guys make it to the uh, state. So, I mean, is it great to see that that's being noticed, that guys are coming out and wanting to compete on the map for you? Yeah, definitely. I know it was. Uh, this is my eighth season. Early on, we had a number of issues. It was tough to get the momentum rolling. You know, you can even if you're not going to be a starter on the team. If you're on the football team, you're part of a state championship team. If you're on the basketball team, they're winning short conference titles. If you're on the lacrosse team, they're winning state titles. So to join the wrestling team and be on a losing team in a culture where everyone's winning, it was tough. But we had some really big home matches early on that we lost, but outperformed the other team and. The kids in the in the stands, the the other students were very excited about it. And after that started to happen, more and more came out. It's been like a steady uphill for the last four years, so it's been good. Um, where like where are you guys hoping from this year can help propel it even more going to next year? Just the short conference tournament, guys making it far in states. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, I talked about the continuum. So we're just always trying to get all of our athletes to overperform, right? So we 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 want kids out of the hallway to be district champs, and we want kids that have been in the club scene to win state titles. And ultimately, you know, I was a Division One wrestler. Uh, my assistant coach Billy was a Division One wrestler. Our new assistant Willie was Division One wrestler. We want these kids to have that same experience that sets them up for life. So I talk about it all the time to our kids. We're training them to be successful at the college level. Our, our philosophies, the way we train, is preparing them for that level. And if they all reach that level, the, the high school stuff will take care of itself. So we're just going to keep growing like that. Um, you know, all that is like what you want to do every normal season, but this is not normal because of the COVID situation. How yeah. are you guys handling all the changes that are going to happen? Because Sometimes you're going to be facing a team and that might not happen because of a COVID thing and schedules are changing. Like, how are you guys going to handle that? And what's the mindset with that, with the kids? Yeah. So I believe that wrestling, I'm, I'm obviously biased, but it's the best sport. But I think it's the best sport because you are faced with adversity all the time. Um, and this is just another instance of adversity. So I think handling it uh, with dignity and moving forward and just keeping the steps going forward. If we have to do a two-week layoff, it's what we're gonna have to deal with. You know, I'm not, it's not going to be game changing for anything that we're trying to do. Everyone's just got to have to find the ways to stay in shape and start and keep training. If they're sick, they're going to have to obviously quarantine. If they're able to continue to train somewhere else, that's great. But ultimately it's just keep one foot in front of the other, keep moving forward and, and keep getting after it. Um, how many matches are you guys hoping to get before the tournaments? I know I was talking to Coach Pressman from Manalpin. He said 10 to 12 he's hoping for. I mean, how much are you guys hoping? Yeah, so I basically have nine, the first nine ready to go. So weeks one through three, three matches a week all set up. The pods are going to be the week after that. And I have one other team mixed in after that. So if all said and done, that's somewhere in that 12 to 13 range. I mean, obviously, as things cancel, we'll try to grab more and and vice versa, but that's the ideal range. If we could compete 10 times, I'd be, I'd be happy. Um, and you, you think the more you guys compete, I think, in the matches, the more it gives your guys more chances to get picked for that seeding as well. Yeah, yeah, I think, the, yeah, a little, there's a lot of that. I mean, I think our, our season guys are going to be the ones to beat, right? So it's a little bit of both right there. It's an opportunity for someone to jump them, but ultimately young guys have to pick up some wins and at least compete at a high level to get picked. 
Um, I do. I really do think, though, like I mentioned, the preseason stuff, it's opportunities to figure out what you need to get better. If you want to win a state title and you're not competing against the best guys all week, every week, it's tough to figure out where you need to improve before that. So I think ultimately we need those tests so that we can find out how to get better and then keep putting those pieces together. Um, what do you think, if, if all goes well this year for everybody in the short conference and everybody else in the state with wrestling, what do you think that shows? Because wrestling is one of the most high-risk sports they've talked about. If you guys can get through a season, show other states how it can be done during this time, what do you think that just means for New Jersey state wrestling in, in general? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately we deal with, uh, like, you know, skin issues, if you will. So, like, we're, we're in the – we're already on boat, on the boat with cleaning the mats regularly – taking care of our hygiene regularly. When there's flu season, we get hit the hardest. So we're already in the process, like full steam ahead with keeping kids healthy and safe. So yes, we are the most at risk, but we've always been the most at risk for these things. So I think that we're also the most prepared. Um, so if we can get it done, I think that shows the rest of the state that you know, with proper care and taking the right steps and not skipping things and not try to hide things that you're ultimately going to do what's right for your kids and your program. Also, I think the weather is helping us, right? It's like 70 degrees last two days with any luck that'll help clear this up too. Well, you want to do some outdoor maps? Yes. So we wrestle CBA outside April 3rd uh, on the turf. So that should be fun. We should, we can have fans social distance there. So that will be good. We've been spending some time outside too. Yesterday we got a drill in then we, brought the kids out for a track workout. The message just went back out to bring your running shoes again. So we're taking advantage of being able to go outside, which is awesome. Um, uh, my last point again, Brian, thank you so much for coming on. It's a great pleasure to talk to you, especially, you know, last year when your team was having so much success, it was great to talk to you, you know, talking about Uno being played on the bus. I thought that was like the greatest thing, you know, he's getting ready for a big region match and they're all relaxed just playing Uno on the bus. But yeah. at the end of the day, what do you hope the kids get most from this season? Because, it's been such a long off season and such a hard one for them to get mentally ready for this season. What do you hope they get out of it? Yeah, I mean, I hope they all get to compete a number of times. And uh, ultimately that's why the kids train is to put it on the line. So that's what I hope they get out of it. And I hope they also can just, you know, relish every time they get to compete because just like the NCAAs got canceled last year, you just don't know. This is going to be the last one for a while. So that's going to be the message going into each one of these events. Hey, you're, you should be grateful that we're out here competing and seize the opportunity and get after it because you don't know if next week's going to get canceled or what's going to happen. So seize the opportunity. Please, the opportunity. Awesome. Well, Brian, I, I appreciate again you coming on, talking to me about this, you know, your team. Hopefully you guys continue to have success. And I'm looking forward to that outdoor match with CBA. I have to tell you, that should be a great one. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you having me on. It's great to talk and hopefully we'll be talking again soon. And thank you again to Coach Brian Heller for coming on the podcast to talk about his uh, Rumson Fairhaven wrestling team. And that segues to the teams to watch out for here in Central Jersey, out in the Shore Conference for wrestling this winter. We start out with the Bulldogs, who we mentioned in the podcast at five. That's right, five state qualifiers returning to the lineup led by Shea Addison, Jack Kelly, Max Brignola, his brother Tyler Brignola, and Aiden Shaughnessy. You know, good star power there. For the Bulldogs, they add more firepower with having Hudson Scove add to the lineup as a freshman at 195. 
Um, it really makes that 152 to 195 stretch dangerous. I mean, they are dangerous runs with the talent they have there. And like Coach Heller said, they can compete with anybody in the state in that range, in that upper middle class area from 152 to 195. And that'll help them out in some of these big uh, matches they'll have during the regular season to make that top short conference pod. And then that top, you know, if they make it into that top pod, try to win it, you know, with that stretch there, getting bonus points, pins, all that big stuff that matters in big matches. So um, the Bulldogs, again, loaded up and hoping to improve on what they did last year where they won 15 matches and made it to the finals of the Central Jersey uh, group two tournament. So that's one team to watch out for. Um, one of the teams Rumson will face this season in the shore to watch out for in Central Jersey is CBA, who have a young core of wrestlers leading the way for them this year. The Colts, uh, Julian George and Xander Silva, their sophomores, they lead the way in the uh, up um, in the um, lower classes. Tyler Barnett is 160, very talented wrestler himself. So those three, good young core for the Colts. Uh, watch out for them to have really great success, um, not only this year, but in the next couple of years after that. Um, a perennial powerhouse, you can say, in the short conference over the last decade has been Howe, and they'll continue to be that way. They got a good handful of wrestlers coming back. That'll be, you know, state tournament um, qualifiers. You got Nico Malone, you got Paul Jacob, Colin Bradshaw, and uh, Kyle Nace. All those guys are very good, talented wrestlers and will lead the way for the Rebels, who, again, will have a good talented squad to be one of the top teams in the short conference this season. Um, in that Friel Township High School District, another really talented club to watch out for is Manalpin, who has just been really good, really since 2017. I think um, they've won like 23 matches each year. I would have to double check that, but um, have had a really great success. They won the uh, Central Jersey Group 5 title last year, and uh, Coach Freshman has, again, a very good, talented um, team coming back led by his seniors, Gavin Calero, uh, George Zavlinick, uh, James Grande, and uh, Chris Balzano. You know, those guys will lead the way for the Braves, who Coach Pressman has high expectations for. He believes he'll get a good amount, like a handful of guys making it to the state tournament this year. Um, uh, uh, sad note for Manalpin, they are shut down right now with a COVID issue, so they will miss out that first week of the season where they were going to face Howell. So, that's going to be, you know, that's been a really good early season matchup to watch out, those two teams going at it. But um, hopefully Manalpin can get everything squared away and they'll get back at it the second week of the season. But, again, the Braves loaded up will be a good top contender in the short conference this season. Um, we go to Homedale where SJV, St. John Vianney, is a good team. They got some good, you know, quality wrestlers there. Yes, big blow. They don't got Dean Peterson who won't be able to go for that three-peat. Uh, for his third straight state championship with having nasal surgery, he will be out this season. But, um, again, great you know, hats off to him on a great career, and hopefully he'll have a nice career with Princeton. But, um, you know, SJV still, they have really some nice wrestlers led by Blake Clayton there down low, 182-195. Uh, Joseph Giordardo had a really good season as a freshman last year, and you got Nico Diaz at 132-138. So, um, you know, again, the Lancers will have some pretty good um, wrestlers there. Colts Neck is another team that B North to watch out for. They've had success. They won their first district title in their career, in their program's history last year, and they returned Logan Waller. Very, very great season last year. Joe Barsky, both of those guys made to the state tournament. Um, so those are some top guys that will lead the way for the Cougars. Uh, Nick Moldaver is another talented middleweight for Colts Neck who 
you know, has the possibility of maybe making it to a state tournament this year as well. So uh, those are teams to watch out for in the Shore Conference here for CentralJersey.com. Again, it's the Central Jersey region. So, you know, I, I focus on teams that I'm covering, not, you know, the southern part of, you know, the Shore Conference, which has a very, you know, as we mentioned, talented wrestler, Brick Memorial, Southern Regional. I know that they are not the teams I cover, but again, there are going to be teams to watch out for. But these are the Central Jersey Shore Conference teams to watch out for this season. For the greater Middlesex, um, diving into them, I mean, some teams to watch out for that I, that I believe this year will be Monroe, Sayreville, St. Joseph, Metuchen, and Metuchen. Uh, those four squads will be teams to watch out for. Monroe had a really good season last year, and Chris Finelli comes back for them as a senior. Um, for Sayreville, uh, Dylan Acevedo, who made the state tournament last year, he's a guy to watch out for for Sayreville. And then, you know, a guy to watch out for out of Holbridge, which is an up-and-coming program, is Tyler Saggy, who had a tremendous freshman year, made it to the state tournament. I, I think he's a really good wrestler. And watch out for him to have a monster sophomore year and, and after that, really talented wrestler down there in Holbridge. Uh, you know, those are the teams to watch out for in wrestling. Um, the mats are down. You know, we'll get to see some square-offs here starting on Tuesday. So I'm excited. I'll probably hit up the first – my first match I'll hit up will probably be Bordentown. I'll probably see the Scotties square off against Pensacola on Tuesday. So I'm excited about that. So, uh, you know, some really – you know, it's, it's wrestling season, you know. And, uh, you know, it's interesting this year. You don't got basketball and wrestling going at it. So um, it'll be, you know, be fun how much attention wrestling gets. And, you know, also you got girls volleyball and gymnastics – which I think we'll get more coverage as well this year. So, um, yeah, that's that's the wrestling preview, and hopefully everything goes well for the kids and we get a full season in. Um, this year is going to be a little different for wrestling with the uh, qualifying for the state tournament. There is no district tournament this year. Uh, the regions are going to be combined to four regional tournaments, so one and two, three and four, five and six, seven, eight. That's how it's going to go, and it's going to be a selection committee to pick which ones are going to make it to um you know from that who are gonna make it from that region into the tournament so 12 kids per weight class so 24 kids are gonna compete and then the top four in each weight class um from that re from the region tournament will then make it to the state tournament so um and we'll see how that goes the state tournament will be held the 24th and 25th not gonna be at ac this year um still be determined where it's gonna be held but um Again, it's great to see that we're still going to have some of these individual tournaments and see how, you know, who the top wrestlers are in each weight class and also some little, you know, team competitions as well. So that's my wrestling preview. Can't wait to get back to covering some great matches on the mat. Um, we'll switch over now to the basketball side and give you a little recap of how everything went this season. Um, we'll start off with my interview with um, Jason Goldman from the Jersey Shore Predators. He'll give you an inside look on how he has grown that AAU basketball program and some players from the Central Jersey area that he works with. And then I'll give you my top 10 boys basketball rankings in Central Jersey and my, of course, top 10 short conference girls basketball rankings. So hold it right there. I got Jason Goldman coming up from the Jersey Shore Predators to talk about his AAU basketball program. Here is Jersey Shore Predators creator and coach Jason Goldman. Um, we're here with Jason Goldman. He's with the Jersey Shore Predators, a AAU basketball program here in New Jersey. Um, Jason, how's it going? How's uh, how's quarantine life been treating you? 
It's not bad. I mean, it's it's getting better. The the weather's getting warmer. We're hopefully going to get back into some basketball, which is good. But, uh, you know, I'm excited for it. Um, You guys, you mentioned to me you started up on the 16th. Um, How excited are you for this season, especially with everything that went on last year with not having really a season for the guys to get ready for the upcoming high school season? I can't wait. I know I'm counting down the days. I know my guys were kind of upset that they had – a week off between high school season and and getting into it, they were ready to go this week. So I think they're uh, they're itching to get back into it as well. Um, I, I was doing a little research on you, and you've been a coach with Mammoth Regional and, and all. Uh, what did you think about this basketball season this year for all the teams? Like, how do you think it was done here in Jersey? <laughs> um, I think New Jersey tried to do a good job. I mean, I think it was difficult. They put the pods together and. I know at least for us, we shut down and we were playing a lot of games that weren't even in our pod. So it got to the point where we were just trying to pick up games, play as many teams as possible. But I like the end of season format with, you know, just trying to seed teams and, and throw them in pods and just really give the kids an opportunity to get on the court and just play some basketball. You mentioned you play a lot of teams out of your pod. You played Rumson, you beat them, and Rumson made it to the championship game in uh, pod B. Yeah, we... You know, we're we're up and down at Mammoth. I mean, we, we have all the talent in the world, but it's really just, just putting it together. And, you know, we come out, we beat Rumson, and then we lose to some lesser teams. And I think that's that's the frustration. But we played more games than we had practices. So it's really hard to get that chemistry when you're, you know, kind of a game and then you don't have a practice and then the game. And between quarantining and, and the snow, it, it was tough to really get a rhythm. Um, how do you think the kids handle it, though? Well, what would you say about that, how they handle all the, um, I guess you say, all the different parameters, like having to pivot every which way because there was something changing every day? Yeah, I think I think the kids did a good job. I mean, you kind of really just have to buckle down and commit. I mean, you know, it, it's tough, and I know, at least for our guys, um, they always want to be on the court, and they always want to be working to get better, but – you know, they also want to spend time with their friends. So it's kind of really just being able to separate your your priorities and just realize that basketball this year kind of was more like a job than it was anything else. You really just had to do what you had to do. I think also, like, it's, it's funny. I feel like the guys were playing probably their best at the later part of the year. And instead of having, like, another half of a season, they have nothing. So right. like, That's really true. I mean, you know, now they're – they're really getting into that stride. They finally are getting the games under their belt. And then it's like, okay, season's over. See you next year. So, you know, luckily AAU is a quick turnaround, but it's uh, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see how, how these guys jump into it. Um, so how long have you been with the Jersey Shore Predators? Yeah, so um, I was coaching at Monroe Sports Center up until about 2016. And then okay. I, uh, I broke off and started the Jersey Shore Predators um, on a fifth grade level. And then we actually uh, started doing high school about 2018-ish. So we're kind of, you know, just solely high school right now. But that could change in the near future. Um, and I was doing some research on some of the guys you got. You, you've had some pretty good players. I mean, um, DJ Thompson from Keyport's one of them with a thousand yeah. points, but Colin Farrell from CBA is a very good player. He's going to Gettysburg to play. Um, you have Justin Rivera from Raritan, who's been a good player, the Salmon brothers. I mean, you, you guys have some very good, talented players in your program. Yeah, we're, we're underrated. I mean, my guys, my guys love it because we don't get the publicity that other programs do, but, 
you know, for us, it actually, it all started in Monmouth Regional. You know, we were playing against Manasquan and I was coaching against Kieran Flanagan. And, um, you know, I had to just watching Kieran play. Kieran's a dog on the court. And, you know, I said to him, listen, man, at some point in time, I'm going to coach you. I have no idea when. And, you know, he came to a workout with a kid named Shane Letty from Manasquan. And Kieran liked what we were doing. He jumped in, started playing with us. And through him, he started this Manasquan pipeline. So we got Alex Galvan. We had Andrew, Matt Solomon, Jack Collins, Connor Walsh. You know, all these guys came through Manasquan. And then we added the Colin Farrells and DJ and Colin Ackerman. And, you know, we've we've built it organically, which I think is what makes it so special. Um. You know, last year you guys really couldn't have a season. What? How did you guys go about like doing some ball stuff outside? So, yeah. So, so my guys committed. I mean, and I said to them, "Listen, we could go Plan A, and we can kind of go more low key, or we can really grind and and try to get things done." And um, we did some of the outside work. Um, it's tough though, you know. When we we like to play with pace, and we like to get up and down the court, and you know, for, for us to go play at 9 p.m. under blinding lights and play a game that's a 37-32 final, that's not really how we like to play. But uh, from from July through January, we actually played 53 games. So we wow. played every weekend, um, you know, and that's, that's a testament to my kids and, and their parents. We played a game um, right before the governor shut everything down. We played at Sportica. We tipped off 11.45 p.m. So – you know, they, they committed and they buckled down, but we were one of the only programs that, that played that many games. And then during tryouts, I think it shows because my guys were in shape. They were they were in midseason form when a lot of these other guys weren't ready to go. How did you guys handle it? Like, because, it, it, you know, outside you, if you're down the shore, you're, you, got, you have to deal with the wind if you're playing near beaches and stuff. Then the colder weather, you know, right. when the fall comes. How do you guys handle those elements that were you know, different than just being in a gym? Yeah, not well. I mean, you know, it, it, it gave some of my guys excuses for missing shots, you know, oh, coach the win. But, uh, you know, it, it really just, I think, allowed us to get better defensively because you had to be. Like, you weren't going to win games 70 to 65. Like, you know, when we got to play indoors, we were able to kind of run and gun a little more. But – Outdoors it is a different animal. You know, we played out um, – the Jersey Force held a great event. We played one of their scrimmages in August. And my guys were – we played back-to-back, I think. Uh, it was like 3 and 4 p.m., 80-some-odd degrees. Like, it's it's a different animal. But, you know, you give credit to a program like the Force and, and a program like us. And, you know, we did what we had to to get out there and to play. So we're just trying to follow the leads of some of these other programs. And I think – we were able to take it a step further with just how many games we played. How many kids did you have in the program this past year? Yeah, so uh, my 2021 team had 10. My 2022 team has 11. Um, and we just made a 2023 team and we're making a 2024. So, you know, this is like our first real graduating class. So um, we're excited about that. But our 2022 and our 2023 team should be very, very good. Um. How's it been like? I know you coached the high school level, but coaching a lot of kids from Central Jersey, how's it been like fun coaching those types of great athletes? It's it, it's awesome. I I love it. I mean, coaching high school is is tough because you can't recruit. And for me, I I went out and I recruited every one of these kids. Like when I went after DJ Thompson, 
I was, I was on the phone with him. I was, I spoke to his brothers. I spoke to his parents. I did everything I could to let DJ know what we could do for him and just how special of a player he is. Cause I think he's one of the most disrespected players in the state, um, you know, based off of his numbers and the things that he can do on a basketball court. So for us, you know, I was able to get a kid like that. He gets a kid like Colin Ackerman. And then, you know, Colin is friends with Nick Natalia and Luke Farrell from St. Rose. So they come and play for us. And it was just kind of that word of mouth. But as far as my relationship, like all of my guys are like my little brothers. I talk to them every single day. You know, they'll play a game and then they'll call me and they're like, coach, can we break down film? Coach, can we do this? Coach, you know, I need help with a history assignment. Like, it's, it's very different than a program where there's 150 kids and you're just that kid. The relationship that I have with my guys is that familial relationship. So what's it like when you coach against them during the season? It's tough. I, I will never forget we when we played against Squan at Monmouth Regional and we were, we were getting killed. And I know uh, Connor went up to grab a one-handed dunk and – you know, he missed it, but part of me was like, oh, thank God. And then the other part of me was like, that would have been pretty cool. And then, uh, you know, I got Flanagan and Galvan blowing me kisses from the bench. And it's just, the atmosphere is great. Like, you know, when we played Manalapan this year in, um, in our, I guess, tournament first round game, and Chris Frontera is one of my guys. So, you know, before the game, we're talking good luck. And during the game, you know, I, I hate them. And I hope that we beat them. And I hope we, we shut them down. And then after the game, you know, it's, it's back to being that, that coach-player relationship. Who are some guys on Monmouth Regional that are in your program that you're coaching on both ends? Yeah, so um, our Monmouth Regional guys, I don't coach. They were playing on our 2021 team. So, like oh. – um, AJ Poe plays for us, um, Kieran Desai, Brian Yadlon, um, Kevin Tellisford. So, like, we had a bunch of guys from Monmouth that were in the program, which was great. And it's cool to see them in a different light with different players around them. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's good. I You know, I enjoy it. I enjoy the difference. And sometimes it's hard to adjust going from AAU to high school and back and forth. Do you feel like you see like a like how much you guys do in AAU it brings to the court for high school? Like, do you see it with them in practice when you watch them like go at it? Yeah, it's it's night and day. Like you know, and and not just the Monmouth Regional kids, but just all high school kids. You know, you have to be ready to work AAU. Like we we have a kid right now who plays on our twenty twenty two team. He's a freshman at Holmdale, twenty twenty four kid, and. You know, he can play on my 24 team, my 23 team, but he's the type of kid that, you know, he worked as hard as he possibly could. He got that spot. And then we go in and we bring a kid like Justin Rivera, who's, you know, second team all division. And Justin takes a backseat to this 15-year-old. Justin comes off the bench and gives us 15 a game. So it's all about these kids. You know, they work their, you know, they work as hard as they possibly can. And they just buy into the role, which that's what makes us successful. Are most of the kids that are coming into the program from the shore, do you have any others like from Jersey, other areas? So our 2022 team is all shore conference. I mean, mostly Moms County, but like we have a, we have a guy, uh, Jack Dugard, he's from Brick, um, so Ocean County, but I mean, still the shore. Our 2023 team, we have um, a lot of shore kids also, but like we just picked up Jared DeMera, who plays for St. Augustine, and uh, James Ionelli, who plays for Bishop Eustis. So 
you know, they're a little more Southern, um, but most of our guys, you know, even 2023, like we have Steve Mellett from Point Borough, Nick Valentino um, from RBR, Colin Holuska from Matawan. So mostly short kids, but we expanded um, a little bit. Um, do you want to expand to like maybe like Mercer County or Middlesex County? Because you mentioned you have ties with Monroe. Right. So, yeah, I think I think I'm open to it. My thing is, you know, we we got a ton of kids that that want to play for us. And I know another all of these other teams do as well. But for us, I just I won't hire coaches that don't align with my values. So if my name's on the program, I want to make sure that that is putting out the highest product that I can. Like I have enough kids that I could put two or three teams together, but that just doesn't align with the mission that I'm on right now. Could that change for sure? But like, you know, I like to bring back my guys. Connor Walsh is going to help us coach this year. Zacharico from Freehold Township is going to help us coach. So I try to find those guys that are, you know, the hardest working kids that I've had the pleasure of coaching and bring them back to coach. Um, so what are you hoping to accomplish this year with the kids being back? Like what's, do you have any goals? Have you said anything to them about that? So for us, we're just, you know, my guys have a chip on their shoulder. Like they, you know, they feel disrespected. They feel that all these other programs get the love and, you know, they don't, and they're working their tails off. So we're going to go out and we're going to compete in Pittsburgh. We're going to go to the jam fest. We're going to go zero gravity out at spooky nook we're gonna go do a whole bunch of different things and um you know we put a camp together every year and, and uh, we you know we have some college coaches come out and it's just it's tough because a lot of programs put out information and they're like oh such and such heard from dartmouth or or all these other schools um i'm taking those same phone calls but we just don't put that info out there because for us you know interest isn't an offer so you know, we've kind of embraced the motto of talent is greater than popularity. So are the statistics that my kids put up are better than the opinions of people that are watching them. Like you can't argue with with what these kids are doing on the court. So I think my guys just want the recognition. I think they're going to play as hard as they possibly can. And the goal is really just to get any kid that wants to play in college to get him that opportunity. That's, you know, that's priority number one for us. Um. So you know, you mentioned priority number one. Who have been some guys that you've coached that you're happy to see going on to play at the next level? I mean, I know you got some ones in the wing, but of right. course some that are already committed to playing for next year. So, uh, so like, you know, Kieran Flanagan, obviously he, you know, he's, he's doing really, really well up at, up at Montclair. Um, you know, we have uh, for 2020, AJ Poe, he's, he's between a couple schools, but he'll probably be committing in the near future. Um, Connor Walsh is going to Catholic and I think, you know, I think he's going to have a great career there. I think he's going to do some big things for them. Um, like you said, Colin Farrell going out to Gettysburg and we got a few other guys that are, you know, between where they want to go. And it's just, it's tough, you know, with this, with this extra year of eligibility. And I think so many people are so focused on division one that they don't understand the benefits of going to play at a D2 or a D3. Like Connor Walsh is you know, and really intelligent kid on and off the court probably could have played D one, but he sets himself up with a great division three opportunity and he's going to go play basketball. He's, you know, has a chance to have a great career down there, come out with a degree and probably make a lot of money. So, you know, my thing is I just want my guys to be successful. I don't care if that's 
uh, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, and I think you know once they buy into it, that's that's the most important thing. Um, have you been able to go watch some of those kids play up in college yet? I mean, I know it's probably been tough because of the virus and stuff. Yeah, so so not yet. I mean, I'm I'm eager to. We've you know we went out. Um, we caught a couple games up at Ramapo. Coach McGreen has been a really good guy uh, to the program, and he's just been really helpful. I would love to go see Kieran play. Um, definitely going to go see Connor play. Uh, you know, Chris Frontera is going to go play for Waynesburg, which is kind of a trip, but I know we're always down to go watch watch our guys. Um, but, you know, and we're going out to East Stroudsburg in uh, in June for a team camp, so we're, we're excited about that too. Do you, do you guys do like the Princeton? Because Princeton, I remember, did a basketball camp a lot um, in the summers. Are you guys planning on doing anything with them or no? So we're interested in everything and anything that comes our way. Um, we, you know, it, it's funny because when we, when we first started, I had to, you know, constantly communicate with these tournament directors and be like, Hey, here's my roster and here's some things we can do. And now people are much more uh, willing to work with us. So, you know, we have a good relationship with Zero Gravity. They've been really good. Mike Rice over at Hoop Group. And, you know, he's been great with us and just trying to work us into his rotation and we're starting our season off with two of their tournaments to kind of get us ready. We have um, a Philly pride event that we're going to do. So, you know, I, I gave us the most challenging schedule that I could put together in hopes of our guys, you know, you're either going to step up and show the world what you're capable of, or, you know, everybody was right. And, and kind of putting you in the backseat. Um, I, I have a couple more questions for you. Like what, you know, you've gotten your program to this point now where you guys are recognized and you're getting great talent that are getting recognized at the next level. Um, what's like something you feel like you can make it even more bigger around here? Like is what are other ways to do that? I mean, I, I think we took the first step today actually with the coaches poll coming out and the coaches awards. We got four guys on the all shore team. Um, and I think that kind of helps us out. I think, you know, DJ is, technically the second of our guys to get to a thousand points because Alex Galvan did it, but Alex didn't really play that much for us. You know, he played a summer, a few tournaments here and there. Um, you know, so for DJ to be our first real thousand points for, but I think once our guys get to that college level and, and finally start playing and, um, you know, I think once we can really send one of these 2022 guys or a kid like Connor who, you know, Con Connor is one of the one of the pillars of our program. I ca I can't say enough about Connor Walsh. And you know, I for us, we're we're big on loyalty. And Connor had every opportunity in the world to go play everywhere and anywhere. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen the dunks, and I'm sure you've seen the blocks. And Connor stuck with us through everything. And it's kids like that that allow us to to grow to the next level. And, you know, I, I love Connor like a little brother for everything that he's done for us. So, you know, and DJ is the same way. So I think us getting those guys into, into college and seeing them succeed at the next level that can, can push us even higher. Awesome. All right. Is there anybody else involved with the program that you want to talk about that are doing big things on or off the court? So right now it's just me. It's it's a one man show. I had uh, AJ Poe's parents were nice enough to coach our 2021 team, which which was great because you know New Jersey rules. I can't coach my own guys, so you know that helped. But 
I'm just excited for our guys to get back into it. Um, we're going to have somebody else coaching our 2024 team, but we're, we're still working through that. Um, but other than that, I just, you know, I think our guys are, are ready to go. We've, we've played some really good teams and I think we've beaten some really good teams and um, we're eager to also play against some other really good teams. So, you know, I think like we went out and we played uh, in, July, in August. Uh, so we only we only started playing together in July. So in August, we went and played a like, team final red. They beat us by 30. And, uh, you know, they hit, I think, like 22 threes. And it was just one of those games. And we bounced back. And we won 15 straight after that. So these these kids are resilient. And I know I know they're ready to go. They're itching to go. So I'm just I'm excited. I'm excited to be back on the court with my guys. Oh, and especially since we were talking about earlier, like it feels like they're in the rhythm of playing and got yeah. cut short. They might be at they might be really ready to go once you guys start practices next week. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're gonna practice twice next week and then we have some scrimmages set up, just inner squad stuff, and then we jump right into it. We play every weekend, March, April, May, uh, June. And then I gave them, you know, like a little three week vacation to just kind of go be kids. But I can't say enough about them. They buy in. They, you know, they give up, you know, things that they could be doing with their friends and they prioritize basketball. And I think it's going to pay off for a lot of them. But, you know, like I said, for us to play 53 games from July through January in a pandemic, you know, we're running to Pennsylvania. We're playing three, four games a day. They're, you know, these kids want to be successful. And then when they see all these other things, I think it just kind of fuels their fire. So I get to see them every day and I get to see the talent, but I'm, I'm eager for them to put that on display. Awesome. Well, Jason, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. It's been a pleasure covering some of these guys that you've mentioned. You know, you got the Manaswan boys winning pod A, you know, how good of a that team. One of your guys gets the game winning layup. I mean, you know, DJ with a thousand points. Colin Farrell had a big year for CBA. I mean, the list can go on. I saw Justin Rivera knock down twenty against Madawan, and he had, I think, eighteen of them in the in the second half. So I yeah. mean, yep. we can go on. But um, I mean, again, it shows that your work, your toolage is working. <laughs> better ways. I appreciate that for sure. You know, I just it's it's great to to be able to come on and to to talk about some of those lesser known guys, like you said, even like the. Andrew Solomon, that's a huge bucket. You know, Ben Roy makes a phenomenal pass, and you you can't write that story any better than than it ended. That that's a movie right there. Yeah, unfortunately for Mar Marlboro, it's happened twice in a row to them because they lost to South Brunswick a similar way the year before, yep. right. and now Manisquan. So um, of course, it's not their storybook ending, but right. Manisquan we'll and South Brunswick, it is. <laughs> Mar Marlboro will be back. That's that's a good team with Seidler and and Spatola and those guys. They'll. They'll be right back there next year, I think. Yeah, maybe they'll catch a break this time. Hope we'll see. We'll see what happens. But sure. again, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, good luck this season. All right, thank you so much. And again, thank you to Jason for coming on the podcast to talk about his Jersey Shore Predators AAU basketball program. Uh, good luck to all the AAU programs out there uh, this. Um, this season, uh, I know, again, like I mentioned earlier, got derailed because of COVID last year. So a lot of these guys get another chance to get back out there, play against the best of the best, and help themselves out for future aspirations, whether at the college level or to have a great season at the high school level next winter. So, again, thank you to Jason for coming on the podcast. And now it is time for Boop 
my top 10 centraljersey.com top 10 boys basketball final rankings and my final short conference girls basketball top 10 rankings of the season will start on the boys side my top 10 central jersey boys basketball rankings they do not include Manasquan Colonia don't cover those areas but congrats to those two teams winning their big tournaments uh, we start off with Marlboro who, who I mean the Mustangs it's unbelievable season. I mean, they get off to a tough start, and then they come roaring back. Big victories over CBA. They get the bounce back over them. They Then they beat Rainey on Rainey's home turf, on court, excuse me. And then they push Manasquan, an undefeated team, to the limit in that Pot A championship game. And you look at overtime. Siler fouls out in a touchy call. I don't know if you make that call in a championship game. But gets fouled out on the charge, and but still, Spatola gets him the lead. Um, it's a back and forth game, but a final layup at the end by Solomon for Manasquan wins them the game in Marlboro. It's just like last year in the Central Jersey Group Four final against South Brunswick. It's the same thing happened last second layup. But uh, oh, you know, listen, Marlboro again. They got a lot of guys returning, led by Jonathan Spatola and Jack Seidler. Um, you know, Jay Ratner as well. So uh, they'll be back to Mustangs and. Um, you know, they'll be a team to watch out for next year. Um, number two on the list is a team that Marlboro beat in the semifinals of the Pod A boys basketball postseason pod in the uh, short conference. Rainey, uh, they're number two. And, again, they'll be a, a team to watch out for next year. That was their only loss of the season was against uh, Marlboro. Um, at three, I have St. Thomas Aquinas, who lost in the finals of their of the top GMC pod to um, uh, Colonia. Four, St. Joseph Metuchen who after losing Colonia got a nice win against South Brunswick in that consolation game. Um, five, I go with CBA, who got a nice win over Red Bank Catholic and then just ran to a buzzsaw against um, against Manisquan there in the semifinals. But um, Coach Bill had a very nice season with his guys, and they ran out my top five there. Um, RBC had a great start to the season, fell off a bit towards the end of the season, you know, facing CBA, but um, still – you know, picked up some quality wins, RBC. They'll finish up at number six on my list. Uh, number seven is South Brunswick, who made it to the top pod. They continued the success from last year's Central Jersey Group 4 championship. Unfortunately, you know, they, they faced St. Thomas um, Aquinas. They faced St. Joseph's Metuchen. Unfortunately, couldn't pull off the victory against either team. But um, still a nice season for the Vikings. They'll stay at number seven on my list. Homedale goes to number eight. A good, solid season for the Hornets. The fact of the matter is they won every other, they won every game besides the teams they the top teams they faced later on in the season like RBC and and Marlboro. So you know the Hornets good solid season. They're at number eight. Number nine is Madawan. They won um, Pod C. So congrats to the Huskies. They ended up winning Pod C. Be a very good Middle North Middletown North team to do so. And then North Brunswick upset East Brunswick to win their pod and they round out the top ten at number ten. So uh, the Raiders. So um, that is my top 10, my final one of the season. Um, hopefully next year you'll get to see it out online, typed up, written out, as well as on my podcast as we get a normal basketball season next year. But, again, congrats to the boys' basketball teams, all of them, for getting through this really hard-fought season, you know, battling everything from the chaos of the coronavirus to the weather, all that, to get a season in. And, um, you know, I'm happy that they got one in and, you know, Next year, hopefully, we get some a full, great season of basketball on the hardwood and should be very entertaining, as always. So that's my top 10 boys' basketball rankings. 
um, will you know will now lead into the top ten short conference girls basketball um, standings that I'm doing. And as we all know, number one is St. John Vianney, who capped, who capped off a perfect season at 14-0 in, the, in their big victory over um, Red Bank Catholic in the uh, Pod A championship game. And, and you think about it with St. John Vianney, they haven't lost to a New Jersey State team in, in two years. They beat all the, they faced a lot of top teams this year, even though it was tough to do it. They beat Trent Catholic. They beat Saddle Day, River Day. You know, we can go down the list. Paul the Sixth. I mean, they beat all those teams. St. John Vianney, they beat RBC twice. Those are the only two losses that RBC had. They won by over double digits in any other game they played. So you look at what St. John Vianney did this year. It's just unbelievable. Madison, St. Rose, you know, coming back next year off a stellar junior season. Um, you know, she's going to Princeton. But, I mean, I thought she had the best season overall as of any player I watched this year. Really talented player. And, listen, they're, they're going to be field up again, the Lancers, that have a great season last year. Um, it's it's sad because you look at this team, I mean, they, they didn't get a chance to compete in the tournament of champions last year, but uh, and this year having a shortened season. But you got to look at St. John Bandy and be like, this is one of the best teams, especially in the last five years that you have seen, maybe one of the best teams that St. John Bandy has ever had um, that Coach Carpell has ever coached. You know, this was a very deep, very good, solid, competitive team, very good defensive team, and um, you saw that with their victories. Um, this season, um, like I mentioned, RBC, they're number two on my list. They're 10 2. Their only two losses are against the best team in the state, it's against St. John Danny. Besides that, they won every other game by double digits. And again, they're going to be a good team coming back next year. They got Justine Pazan coming back. They got Ali Carmen coming back. I mean, again, Red Bank Catholic, good program, good coach, good legacy there. I mean, you know, they're one, again, one of the top teams in the state this year. The fact is, they the two games they lost was against the best team in the state. So. They're number two on my list. Jackson Memorial coming back from the COVID virus and everything. They make it into the top pod. Um, they lost to St. John Danny, but hey, they get the victory over Rumps at Fairhaven. They end up being 7-3. They beat Manchester as well when they came back. I mean, just unbelievable job by by um, Jaguars, and they'll be number three on my list. Um, for all everything they've gone through to go 7-3 to finish like they did, it's hats off to them and how they performed. And they are number three on my list. Rumson Fairhaven, the team they beat in their consolation game, um, Rumson is the four. You know, Rumson, you know, a tough season. They lost, again, to very good teams. They won the big games against the very good teams. Unfortunately, they came up short. But nice season again for the Bulldogs. A lot of talented team. And, again, they'll be back next year with a good cast of characters ready to make a move against Mass Squad for the Central Jersey Group 2 title. We'll see if they get over the hump next year. But they're number um, four on my list. And number five, Marlboro. I mean, it's sad for Marlboro. You know, my last podcast, unfortunately, they got, um, you know, the COVID protocols, their season got wiped out, and they didn't get to compete in the top pie, and we didn't get to see what they could do. They had games against Rumson and SJV to finish out the season, so it's been interesting to see where they stacked up against Rumson or how they did against SJV. But, um, again, you know, the Mustangs had a nice season, 8-1, and one, good players. Um, and they ran out my top five. I definitely think they would have made the top bracket. And then in that Rumson game, I mean, it could have gone either way. I really think that would have been a great game. You know, SJV, yes, SJV is going to win that game. But, you know, I think it would have been a very – I think Marlboro would have given them a game there in the first half. I mean, listen, they beat Sal River Day, the Mustangs. They're, they're a solid team. And uh, it's sad that they didn't get to compete in the, in the top bracket. They're only lost the last game they played against um, Middletown South. But um, they are number five on my list. Uh, Red Bank Regional will finish out at six. Um, you know, they made it to the top pod. 
Um, unfortunately, lost to Red Bank Catholic and lost that, but um, still a very good season for um, the Buccaneers. Friel Township, I have at number um, seven, made a great run to the uh, finals of the uh, Pod B Championship. They lost to Donovan Catholic, who had a very good season this year. But um, you look at what Friel Township was able to do. They beat Howell for the second time in the first round. And they upset Holmdale, who had a very good season. So um, the Patriots coming on strong there, good senior leadership there. They didn't have their head coach, um, you know, a new coach and all. They had that change middleway through the season. So hats off the free old township making a run there to the finals of the Pod B championship, and they'll be number seven. Number eight is um, Holmdale, who had a nice year as well. Um, you know, again, that loss to free old township pushes them back, but still a solid year for the Hornets. Um, you know, showed some promise and again showed their, you know, showed how good they were. They won 10 games. Um, very solid season for uh, the Hornets. Howell is number nine. Um, and, and Howell had a very good year, too. Unfortunately, you know, top teams didn't fare so well against, but they went 11 and 4. I believe they beat Jackson once. So, um, you know, a good year for the, um, the Rebels as they finish out the season with 11 victories. Um, and then last but not least, Colts Neck. They won 10 games. They made it to the finals. They lost to Trinity Hall in the Pod C Championship. Uh, they round out the uh, bracket at um, the top 10 at number 10. And they had 10 wins as well. So um, that's my top 10 short conference uh, standings. Short conferences, we all know one of the best conferences out there in any sport, but especially in um, girls basketball. When you look at the talent that is in that conference and the uh, – teams there i mean again next year you're gonna have some really great teams like i, I mean st john vanian will lead the way but rbc is gonna be very tough next year rumson and jackson memorial are gonna have some good teams marlboro is gonna be a force as well um so should be fun so um yep those are my my top 10 rankings that ends the podcast thank you for listening to um bass interaction here today um i really appreciate all the support i've been getting um, it's been fun doing this little podcast and getting it started, talking about high school sports in Central Jersey. We've gone through all this stuff with the coronavirus pandemic, and now we're at phase three of the winter sports. Next thing you know, we're going to be getting all the spring sports started. So, you know, positive vibes, good weather, things to watch out for. You know, daylight savings time now. We got to push the clocks forward, so now it's going to be light out longer. All good stuff, all good stuff um, to look forward to, and I'm excited to – get ready to cover some wrestling and also some volleyball and see how the gymnastics goes. So it's fun. I'm happy those, like I mentioned early on, Adam, they get to uh, get their chance to shine on the big stage. So, um, you know, I'm excited. I hope you guys have a great week. Again, check out all the latest news and notes on what's going on in Central Jersey, whether from sports to news on centraljersey.com. We all try to do the best we can to cover those areas. Um Look forward to uh, interacting with you all through Twitter at the wrestling matches and the volleyball matches and gymnastic meets going forward and talk to you guys soon. Um, hopefully with some good news based off of the free agency with the uh, Giants as the NFL free agency starts this week as well. So hopefully the, you know, Dave clears some spe- cap space. Sign Leonard. I don't want to get into it, but uh, sign Leonard Williams, please Dave, do a long term deal, open up some space. I know they restructured Nate Soldier's contract at least, but um, they they had to lose Zeitler. But um, we'll see how they do. Also, the Jets. I mean, they have a lot of cap space, but does Douglas use it, or does he look to build and build, especially with the cap going up next year? So um, we'll see how free agency shakes up as well. But um, again, thank you all for listening to the podcast, and have a great week. This is Stephen Bassin signing off off of this edition of Bassin Interaction.